I just got stuck in a bogey train. All right. Howdy, everyone. Welcome to another installment of the bogey train. Uh, I'm your host once again, as always, Nick here with Jangs, and we have a new guest. So um, I'll just have him introduce himself. What's up? What's up, everybody? Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on boys. Uh, absolute honor. Uh, uh, my name is Drew Mahold. Uh, I do know Nick, uh, known him a few years now. Uh, I also know Jaden, uh, or Jangs, I guess is his name. Maybe I outed Jaden there a little bit. I don't know. No, um, no. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, there was my teacher golfers. job right there. They're going to find me. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, tough. Uh, I, I don't think I don't, you've I, had any fireball offenses on this show yet. Well, that's, yeah, yet. That's, Not yet. It's an important piece there. My mistakes may be, may be in there. Am I comfortably the worst player on this podcast right now? Yeah? No. Yeah. I, 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 would, not, I would not say that. No. No. I mean, Capesco Open speaks for itself, right? I suppose, yeah. True. Uh, uh, what a I funny did, day that was. Yeah, you're, you're pro- you might be the worst yeah. putter, though, on this. I'm comfortably the worst putter. That's a fact. So, uh, ball, might be the no, Noah's 100%. Not podcast, so, yeah, that's might. true. Did you, did you happen to catch that episode when we were talking with uh, Noah about his putting? I did not. Uh, well, he, <laughs> he dove into the, uh, I guess, some stats on his own golf, and he said, what was the distance? He said five feet. Is that what it was? Five, five feet. He said, he's, he said he's less yep. than 50% from five feet, which is that's like pretty bad. That's, um, I don't think a, a 90s think, golfer, a 90s golfer averages like 60% from five feet. Yeah. I don't think he realized how bad that stat was. Like it's, that's brutal, but, um, <laughs> a 90s golfer is 60%. Yeah. I don't, it was it that high, but either way, yeah, yeah he like has 55 or 60. I think it was the stat. It might've been, might been just straight 50. But yeah, he this, was below. Yeah, the stat he gave us, he's he probably like from that distance was like probably like a, an eighteen handicap at least when he's like a one. So, mm-hmm. um, but Drew, you're probably the best driver of the ball. Would you say that on the podcast um, right now? In terms of a strokes gained, potentially, um, but I'm definitely not the straightest driver of the ball. So there's. It depends on what you're looking at because the old the old school traditionalist person would disagree with that take. I think. Yeah, because I, I think a uh, bomb and gouge golfer would say that you're probably the best. Yeah, you're comfortably past me for sure. And then Jaden, I feel like you can hit it 20 past me, but you could also be like 20 to 30 short. So I, I don't know how far you hit it, to be quite honest. And I play a lot of golf with you. Yeah, I you know, I can... I can catch one and I can rip it 330, but I can also catch one and rip it 270. So... I mean, it just go. depends on, on the swing path, I guess. I guess that's it. Um, so how much, uh, how much golf did we catch this past weekend? I caught a little bit. More than, more than uh, the weekend before, but. Well, I caught the, the end of the Shriners. <clears throat> Watched Cantlay give away another, another W to uh, the Phenom. Tom Kim taking uh, the golf world by storm right now. 
dude's yes. 20. He's got two wins and um, 18 now PGA Tour starts. Which and is, yeah, it's crazy. I think the crazy part is like, if you, like, when he was playing, he was like a stone faced assassin uh, at Shriners, not, not a ton of like emotion or fist pump or anything like that. But you watch the President's Cup and he's like a completely different like animal, like all out emotions, right? Uh, for, you know, a pretty strong losing effort there for the international team. So it's like, I don't know, it's weird that it's fun to see the team concept like bring all that out. Um, of course, you're not seeing that on a certain tour, trying to bring the team aspect out. You don't quite get that emotion and passion. But Tom Kim, dude's dude's here to play. He started the year oh, uh, higher than 130th in the world ranking. Now he's like 15th, I think. So That's sick. And uh, actually, you know, I'm not exactly sure the point you're getting at there, but I have reliable sources that, are, um, that have told me that um, on the ground at a certain um, – at certain events on a certain tour are very comparable to a Ryder cup. So, I mean, you know, sources actually, actually on the ground there. That's very comparable. Um, yeah. But yeah, the Tom Kim thing, I don't, I don't know what to make of it. Like, because I, I heard, uh, I've heard some of his uh, podcast appearances, like before the president's cup and after, and like before, you know, he said, gosh, I'm just so excited to, you know, do some huge fist pumps and make putts like that. And then like hearing that, I've, thought it was kind of fun to hear but it was also like okay is he gonna be thinking too much about it but i think like i think he i think he delivered the. i don't think the celebrations were too over the top but they were they were mm-hmm. pretty good it, it just it would have been a little bit nicer if the if the score of the overall event was closer that would have been like yeah maybe if the canadians were a little better the canadians weren't so hot yeah my guy uh, christian bezadenho was a little bit better this, are you yeah a bez head we got a bez head on the pod yeah yeah of course uh bez head since uh <laughs> this is that's the fall of 2018 is he not like the worst <clears throat> driver of the golf ball in professional golf oh yeah he's he has the best short game i think maybe in the he world but yeah well yeah well, that's well, that, you know we don't need to get into that yeah Just, come on. this yeah. is this is that's a, that's a personal matter doesn't need to be brought up um, and the, like the was, important, the important part is that he's a top 100 player. In the it world. already was two episodes ago. Listen, he's there's there's some courses where it, it makes a lot of sense to pick him, but um, I'm I'm kind of a course fit guy. You know, Quail Hollow was a tough like one King for him. Kissy. Yeah, Quail Hollow was a tough one for him. He went undefeated, but part of that is because he got to play Kevin Kisner in the singles. But what a matchup! I mean. Talk about yeah, you know, two forty-five off the tee, hitting four about irons, a, five irons in every green. Yeah, talk. That's a pillow fight, pillow fight right there. Yeah, but taking um, pars to win holes. Uh, my, my words on the Shriners here. Uh, just to go back to my recurring theme, Patrick can't play strikes again. <laughs> I mean, the guy just. The guy is so bad in every tournament that I'm not even, I shouldn't say so bad. The guy can't do anything in a tournament that is not the playoffs. Well, I, I don't, like, I, just, I just, I still don't know what to, what to make of him because like his, his stats, just like his, his strokes gain numbers, like would suggest he's like a top five player in the world. Like he's, he's gaining significantly in every category, basically TD green. And, uh, but he, which you would think would translate to the majors, but I think he has two top tens in majors in his it career. Doesn't, it doesn't. 
No, I don't. I'm. Yeah, he I has two two top tens. A couple, couple episodes ago. Yeah, so I, I, uh, I think the past two years I've picked him at Augusta because, and I can't I can't pick him in majors anymore. It's not working out. There, uh, there was the brief moment at, during the Masters when the Tiger won, where Cantley yeah. took the lead on Sunday. Yeah, well, he had the. I think like fifteen players had the lead at one point on that Sunday, but he was one of them. That, he, that was a, he that was eagled. A wild. Wild he fun. eagled 15, I think, and he was then at 12 under with the solo lead at the time. And then he promptly bogeyed 16 and 17. So, and he finished like tied for ninth, I think. Top 10. There you go. But yeah. Um, another side note on Tom Kim uh, good for Joe Scavron. He's had a tough couple years on Ricky's bag. Uh, I don't know if you caught this, but. This was on hole 16 on Sunday. Uh, I think Tom had like 99 yards to the flag or something over water. He was discussing the shot with Joe and like, I think Joe was getting a little annoyed and he just said something along the lines of like, dude, it's just a stock lob wedge. It's not complicated. Just hit it. Like, and uh, yeah, so it's good. Uh, I did catch that bite. That's I, I'm here for caddies like ripping on their players a little bit. Um, because someone like me would need to be ripped at a little bit to bring myself back in from hitting driver on a narrow, tiny hole. That's something I would do if I was on tour. And uh, shout out to Tom Kim again for the stones. The first event that he had Scavron on the bag was the president's cup. And then multiple times he just left his putter on the green and like, just like, or no, twice he left the golf ball in the hole. And just went to the next hole. And one of them, he just dropped his yeah, putter, he did, like, too. Yeah, like, the go get that. Yeah. And so, um, you know, first tournament with the new caddy, you know, I imagine hasn't been a ton of time to build up that relationship and to just, like, say, screw it, go get that is respect. Is is Joe an American? Yes. Joe, Joe's probably. That seems like a conflict of interest there at the President's Cup, don't you think? That's kind of a, like a... Back when uh, Brooks Kepka was eligible for these competitions, he had a Scottish caddy. That's right. Like in, the, in the Ryder Cup. Dickie um, Elliott. Yeah. I imagine that's not the only... Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. But anything else from the Shriners, obviously, like even just mentioning that Tom Kent, like two wins before the age of 21, like like back when, if this would have been Spieth, I, like I think people are kind of doing like the, oh, Tom Kim's going to be the GOAT, like tongue-in-cheek sort of thing. Like if Spieth would have had two wins before he was twenty one, I think people would have, yeah, been like dead serious about that. Now, well, I, I feel like there was I don't know I didn't I didn't ever heard of him until twenty twenty two, and I think most people had heard of Spieth. That's true. Um, you know, from I guess from days of Texas had heard about him being a college phenom and and having all these he had played in the tour event I think prior to that and as a teenager, and I didn't know about Tom Kim, and also he won event won the event in the fall when nobody really watches or pays attention uh, compared to, you know, the normal season. So, uh, I mean, I don't think he's going to be going away anytime soon though. Yeah. I I think he's got a little chip on his shoulder here. Why is that? Being from, he's from South Korea, isn't he? Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, he's, he's got to play well. So he doesn't, doesn't, uh, go to his mandatory military service. If he can play well enough, he can get out of that. I forget about that. Wait, so how well do you have, what's the, I thought it was just the Olympics, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, well, it's, uh, 
like the Asian Cup, like they have the Asian Games or an Olympic medal. Uh, oh, an Olympic medal. I feel like medal. they would let him out, you know, if he, mm-hmm. if he uh, plays well enough in a bunch of tournaments, you know, maybe gets the number one in the world, does well in majors, might, might let him out of it there. But Yeah, that's tough. So are we gonna are we gonna have to miss Sung Jay for a couple of years then? I don't want to miss Sung Jay. He oh, yeah. plays in he plays in every event. Legend. Uh, all right, moving it over to I guess do we talk do we talk about the Cantlay triple on the last hole or is it not worth it? I mean, it was it was really good back and forth like up until because Tom Kim had a two shot lead after I think eleven holes. No, after 10 holes, but then can't lay birdies 11 and 12 to tie it up. And then Tom Kim, I think, birdied the next two after that to take a two-shot lead again. And then can't lay birdied the next two after that. So then it was tied with two holes left, and then he just hits a toe hook with three wood off the tee on 18 into the desert and uh, tries to punch it through a bush, and it goes nowhere. Takes an unplayable, drops, hits it in the water, makes a 40-footer for seven. Yeah, just a standard triple. Yeah. <laughs> and he had the same expression on his face he would have had if he made a birdie, probably. Dude's kind of – he's a robot. Yeah, but, uh, I agree with that. Cross the pond uh, in Spain. Did you catch this? John Rahm uh, knocking off for the third time the Spanish Open, which is uh, only other person uh, – I know from Spain. I don't know if uh, any other player, period, but – only other Spanish player to do that was Seve, and it took him his entire career to do it. And John Rahm mm-hmm. has won three times since 2018. So pretty cool to like, you know, when you are the favorite to, and obviously the home, you know, the kind of the hometown guy to show up and do it. And he was tied for the lead. No, one shot ahead going into the final round and he shot 62 to win by like five or six shots. So yeah. Um, uh, the only re- thing I got from the Spanish Open was the, cl- the clip that went viral of Manu Lee, like grimacing because of John Rahm, like slamming a club or something. Um, I never saw that. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yeah. So like Rahm slammed a club or was yelling or something. And he like the camera was following him walk back to like behind the tee box with his bag or whatever. But Manu Lee is in front of him and Manu Lee just has his grimace on his face like. Like, oh no, like I, that was quite the reaction. So that's John Rahm is still doing those, those antics and some people love it and some people don't, but uh, he's still that guy and he's still annoyingly good at golf. So I think I've come around on John Rahm. I don't know. I, I used to kind of be anti John Rahm, not for any reason other than, I don't know. I just liked other guys more, but I, I like watching him play. But yeah, sometimes his, his demeanor's not the, I don't know, not the most likable, I guess. But shout out to Minwoo Lee. I mean, he literally has like a he literally has like a guy who defuses bombs as like his his mental coach. Like that's dangerous. You know? Is that is that like, real? Is that a, like is that, that a, is that I I'm, I'm pretty I'm ninety nine percent sure that is the real stat. Well, well no, you, you can't just say that. Yeah, on a yeah you looked that up. That could be that could be libel if it's not true. So I'm looking it up. Yeah. Well, you know, after last week, we were, we're probably on the yeah, next uh, filing of Patrick Reed's lawsuit, but we don't need to get into that. 
Joe, please, that'd Joe, be awesome. Joseba or Joseba Del Carmen, Rom's mental coach, is a former bomb disposal expert. Okay, I feel like that should be the guy who's Rom's caddy, like being able to defuse bombs. I think that guy should work with Matt Every. Remember when he just lit up on his caddy at the players? I do, yeah. As if it was his caddy's fault that he wanted to hit seven iron from the fairway bunker from like 2.30 into the wind. Oh, was that the one where he was leading it? Over one. And then... Yeah, I think that was the final right. round too. Yeah, because I think I remember that. He yeah, shot like 75 or something that final round. And Caddy was like, let's just, you know... Lay it, like his lie wasn't very good. He's like, let's just lay it up over here out to the right, have a hundred yards for the third. Rom's like, no, I need to go for it. And he hits it in the middle of the pond, not even anywhere yeah. close. And he's like, was mad at his caddy for like putting doubt in his head. He's like, I was so sure. Like that was as if <clears throat> and he needed to hit like a 40 yard hook around a tree. Yeah. Classic. See, that's the type of thing. I don't know. He's, I, mean, I still like, he's the only player I think anymore on tour that will get mad when they miss a short putt and like bat down the the green. Yeah. Like it's a five or six foot putt. They miss it and they bat, you know, use the putter head to like bat down the green as if you can't do that anymore. Like, yeah. like you, you can absolutely do that before your putt. So there's no reason to do it after but it's just that, the guy, may, that may be the best take accountability that may be the best misses. part about that rule change is that you don't have to see guys like except for john that little, that little tantrum as much as much yeah um yeah like i said shout out minwoo lee i think he got like third or something uh maybe fourth somewhere in the top five pretty good pretty good week the dude is so talented one of my favorite players to watch but man he's inconsistent like he misses a lot of cuts but when he plays well, it's it's fun to watch. It's it's always when you like forget about him. Yeah, that's when he shows up and you're like, yeah. oh yeah, Minwoo, yeah, that's right. He can he can play some golf. Yeah, you can't just be like, okay, I pick. I'm, I think Minwoo Lee's gonna play well this week. Like I I would put money on Minwoo Lee. No, you can't ever really do that. It's when you, mm-hmm. yep, yep, classic. I I'd love to see him on a Presidents Cup team someday. That would be fun. Um, that might give him a chance. No. Never know. Never know. Um, let's see. Live. I, I could, I, let's go. Uh, let's go like a like a twenty second. Uh, Drew, let's get your overall thoughts on live golf. We had a full episode on it a few weeks back, but I want to hear it. James, is this your job or is my is it my job? <clears throat> what this is this is you 20 this second overview yeah 20 second overview of live oh god um i don't even what I, do you think of live what i think of live it's fine yep. um it's I, I think the the i don't know part of it is like the fact that bryce is over there i just i'm already turned off by it and what like his what did he say about like the official world rankings? He's like, we've met all the criteria that they're asking for, and yeah. they have met none of the criteria that they're asking for. Uh, so classic Bryson, just I don't know, um, whatever. Live is is fine. I think eventually they'll get world ranking points, and they probably should because of the players that are over there. But I eventually want this to turn into a PJ Tour versus Live type of like Ryder Cup situation. Um, if it comes up and results in that, I'll be very excited about it. But until then, I think Live is 
hurting the professional golf like entertainment, then it's doing more harm than good, I think. Yeah, that was one thing I feel like I didn't even touch on as much as I wanted to. It's just like as much as like PGA Tour versus Live Golf, like which side are you on? It's just overall kind of sad what it what it has done to pro golf. Like yeah. just the fact that you you can't see like you know, you're not going to see Cam Smith competing against like guys like Rory or JT like week in and week out anymore or even mm-hmm. you know DJ or um you know Brooks Bryce and things like that kind of sucks. Right. But, yeah. I mean, I, it's, yeah, uh, I, I don't, I don't like the, the egos that they've gone about it too. Like it's, it's one thing to point out flaws, the PGA tour, because there probably are some real flaws. And I actually do think the team aspect could be really fun if done the right way, but the way they've gone about it in putting down the tour in every possible way and not acknowledging what the tour has provided them, and going about it as if live is the only answer for pro golf moving forward, um, I think is, I mean, it, it, I think it turns me off and it turns a lot of golf like viewers out there, like away from live when they are, they're being presented live in such a, a way that's so like arrogant and, and ignorant almost. Yeah. And one thing like the three poor, these, these poor kids language, like in the, in the lawsuit and the, the TRO oh, yeah. for, what was that Hudson Swafford and Taylor Gooch and forget who was the third, but just like, you know, and this, and they're talking about PGA tour in a post tiger era. Like, it's not like they were underpaid, like the highest oh, I know. Paid, paid players on the PGA tour relative to like, you know, other pro sports. It's not like, but I don't think we need to get all the way into that, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just overall too bad that it is what it is. I think. Yeah. I mean, and I hope even like the WGCs maybe like if they can become a an event that's both players, something like that even would just be would be enough for me. So you get the majors, you get the WGCs, and you have eight big events a year where the best of both tours play. I think that would be enough for me, but I I don't know if that is a possible scenario. But um, and I don't even know. We might not. What do we What do we think the Masters are going to do? Because they're going to be the ones that have to kind of set the yeah. tone here a little bit with the majors. Cause I, I wouldn't be surprised either way if they allow live players or if they kind of shut them down. Cause I feel like as a, like the masters would want their tournament to be the most prestigious in terms of the competition that's there. But I could also see a scenario where they kind of stand up against it. I think they have in the past said that they will like not allow, but it, I think it's gotten to a point where they have to reconsider that. I'm like, I'm s- I'm, I think there's a 70% chance like, and I don't have anything to base this off of, Like, if I, if I had to guess, I'm like 70, 70% chance that the live players will be there. That's my yeah. guess. The ones who like meet the, you know, world ranking criteria. Right. Exa- so that's the only criteria they have anymore. Basically there's or world, other world previous ranking. majors or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But anything from you on that, Jengs, I know we kind of touched up, uh, on a lot of that in, previous uh, episodes are are we gonna wait and see if if joe Anonson comes in to talk more about live because they did have one kind of interesting set about live um uh, and the tournament this weekend well you could just you could just throw that out there now unless you unless you want to wait for him because i have a good um, stat from the weekend too no i can i can throw it out now um if you guys had to guess what the 
the average or the the peak viewership of the final round of the live tournament was on Sunday. What do you think it was? My stats related to that. Uh, is it like twenty well, k? Oh, is it? Is is that what it was? was? Twenty five thousand. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you broadcast live only on YouTube from Bangkok, which is I think twelve hours uh, ahead. Right? Is that what it is, or something like that? I mean, it's the yeah, opposite some, time that, there. that it, Americans it was, are watching golf. See, here's the thing, though. Like, I thought, I thought it was the global tour. So, if it's a better time for so many other countries, maybe like you know, they'd be flooding the viewership. But yeah, that was that was those were tough numbers for Live this weekend. <clears throat> tough, and, like <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I know that. I know uh, a lot of other countries do have it broadcast on television, like not, not a whole lot, but uh, a lot of the, uh, the Middle Eastern, the Asian countries do have it actually broadcast on television. So that kind of cuts down on that YouTube viewership, but still 25,000 is, it's not a high number. That's not going to be something that's going to be sustainable for, for that tour. Well, and the FS1 deal, I mean, it's unprecedented in this era to be paying for airtime, um, which is what it allegedly, I think that's the report is that they're paying for airtime, um, which I would love to know, like, are they then going to be able to have any say in what the commercials are and like the ads or how that's run? Or is that still all FS1's call? Cause I feel like that would also matter a little bit. I mean, if they're paying for airtime, I don't know. I, if they're paying for airtime, do you need ads, though? I mean, in theory, no, but that's so that's a way that they can get, you would think, would get money back. Or I'm sure FS1 probably wants to get more out of it, and they can by throwing commercials in there. So, yeah, because um, it would be, I mean, if I'm FS1 and they're paying for it, I'm going to be like, all right, we're still going to keep commercials going, and we're going to charge X dollars for all these ads, and we're going to maximize this the most we can. So, um, anyway, the stat I heard, I mean, shout out to no laying up. Um, I'm going to call this the stat of the week. Maybe we'll have a stat of the week segment that, uh, can be a running gag here. Wait, Jaden's wasn't the stat of the week. Wow. No, mine was uh, based on, mine was based off of that. Uh, okay. So it was, so like the final round viewership, I think averaged around 20,000 and with the purse being, I don't know. I'm trying to find a number with just what the purse is without having to add everything up. But um, anyway, so the purse, the total in the purse, like per YouTube viewer, it was as if Liv was paying $2,000 per viewer <laughs> on YouTube. So I just, I, I thought that was good. That is good. Um, and I, I wanted to find numbers for the Shriners this weekend just like the pga tour tv rating but i couldn't really because i'd just be curious in a like you know going up against football in in the fall on a sunday what what a pretty low tier pga tour event uh gets but i'm not exactly sure a lot more than that i mean it's still probably around a million a lot more than twenty five thousand is all i know so that's tough um Anything else on this past weekend? Uh, big congratulations to Dustin Johnson for winning the Individual Player oh, of the Year award. Yes. I didn't even know it existed. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's 
I love how, and like the PGA tour, like they, uh, they just have to like, you know, set the whole FedEx cup up so that, you know, it can't possibly be decided like before the, uh, tour championship. Right. But Liv is right. just like, nah, who cares? Like DJ has this thing locked up. Yeah. And there's, there's like, what, how many events are left? At least two, two or three. I don't care how many are left. I'm gonna I think, be there's, I think they have two left. I think they have Jeddah. I think it's Jeddah and then Trump. Miami. Yeah. Corral, I think is all that's left. But that's just, yeah. So all the rest of the guys are competing for second now. So congrats to DJ. He has made some money. Well, moving on, um, today, uh, the day we're, we're recording, we're recording this is the launch day for the special editions of PGA tour 2k 23. Um, I know both of you are kind of in the Woo-hoo! TGC tours world. Uh, I have thought about getting into it, but realize I'm not good enough and also don't want to spend the time doing that. Maybe sometime in the future, who knows, but just, I guess, overall thoughts and uh, where's the excitement level at? I don't know who wants to take this one. Drew, you can take this one. Ah, well, I mean, excitement level, I, I for someone like me who gets into football season, um, I kind of wish the release was not in October, um, but still awesome to have another game. Awesome to have Tiger uh, as the, I don't know what his actual role is, executive producer or something like that. Um, but to have him involved and yeah, jumping from EA to 2K is that's i think that's pretty cool and i think it show, i think that's going to be a big needle mover for 2k when they you know go up against ea here uh in the next year or so because it looks like ea is going to release theirs in the springtime so um but i i'm i think I'm, i think it's good too that 2k got it sounds like uh, and again i haven't played the game yet um but it sounds like you can play with the pros now and like in the in the 2k21 game you couldn't you could just play against them and they would be shown on there, which was kind of lame. So I think that's cool. And then I'm wondering too, now if you can like play online matches or play with friends and even in that um, setup, use the different uh, characters on the game as well. Um, Cause I think that would be a big benefit and bring a lot more interest than just playing with your own character. And, you know, maybe once in a while in a, in a game, you can have a setting where you can see, you know, Gary Woodland chip in for par from the fringe. So yeah <laughs> yeah those those uh i had to turn those off very early in the life of 2k21 those highlights were brutal and i've i've seen a couple of the highlights from the new one like i was watching uh i think it was the apex town i was watching just a little bit of a video earlier and it was like now let's jump over to uh to the course and it's like and lexi thompson with a great shot and she like <laughs> lipped out a 20 footer it was nice like, Wow, that was just an outstanding shot. But <laughs> yeah, the uh, some of those things are broken too. Like, I mean, they happen a lot more often than they did in two K twenty one because I I played the game uh, today, so they happen a lot more often. Like, I feel like I get one every other hole, and I mean, I got one today of Brooke Henderson, and it was like, let's check out this great shot, and then like the cut scene was like from the bunker look at this hole out and it's she hits it to 25 feet out of a fairway bunker from like 110 i'm like why the heck am i watching this yeah and then like, like the, the commentary times doesn't show match up, up and it'll be like a, it'll be a right it'll be like yeah. a 35 foot putt and they'll roll it up to like 
five feet, but you can't even watch the ball roll. Like I'm just sitting there watching Ricky Fowler's reaction to his putt that I can't see where it's going and it doesn't go in. There's, so what's the point of the dang cut scene? Yeah, there's definitely potential there. Like if you're like if you're in like career mode or something and coming down the stretch of a tournament, like if you could show the shot that like another player was hitting, but I think overall the 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 cut scenes, like the highlights are are broken. Absolutely. I think it's if I'm gonna look back because there was a Tiger Woods 05 or something like that, where you could be paired up with Tiger in a tournament in your career and you would hit like you could, you would hit your shot and then Tiger would hit a shot and it would go shot for shot with him. Yeah. Which is like, that is so far ahead of these little cut scenes and so much a better experience than, you know, like you said, watching somebody hit a fairy bunker shot, that's a 30 feet away. And then you watch them hit a putt and you don't even see the ball roll. Um, and probably looking at it, in the grand scheme of like the tournament and like who's contending, I'm sure 95% of them are not anyone that's nearly the top of the leaderboard. So it's like, at least with that, you get, you know, obviously the goat tiger Woods, but then you get to see shot for shot and, you know, it plays as if you're playing the game. It's the same experience. That's way better to me. And something I would hope is in a yeah. future game. Yeah. I mean, overall, with the 2K games and the golf club franchise, I mean, the community aspect of it is definitely, like, what has, like, the most appeal. Like, it's, like, this gameplay stuff. Like, a lot of that career mode stuff, like, especially the highlights and things like that, I was hoping a lot of that would be fixed and a lot smoother. It seems like maybe not, but that's all right, I guess. I mean, yeah, I don't know. There's it's... there's still societies. There's still the course designer, which is quite possibly the biggest. Uh right positive just literally unlimited courses Mm -hmm. um i don't know what else. course designer expert james yeah yeah do you have any like uh, other than what you've said so far just like Uh, initial thoughts on the game because you have (laughs) initial thoughts on the game since you have actually played it um uh it's it's a little bit different for sure um the swing mechanics. I do like the swing mechanics. Um, I didn't play any of the three click just cause I'm not like a huge three click guy. So I didn't really test it out at all, but you know, like between the fast and the slow, they said that, you know, a perfect shot is going to be rare. Like it is actually going to have to be truly perfect for you to have a perfect shot. Cause I mean, how often in real life do you hit a perfect shot? I like that. And so, the, the game has become a little bit more difficult. Like you do see a lot of fast, you do see a lot of slows. Um, you're not really knocking down flag sticks. Like I've seen some tweets of people that are playing on master difficulty. Uh, and you know, like it's a struggle to break par. Like my, my two rounds that I've gotten through so far, I shot one over with seven birdies the first round. Then the second round, I shot a bogey-free 66. And, like, it felt solid to shoot that 66. I mean, was that the on game pro? is definitely a lot was, more difficult. Was that on TGC Tour settings? It was on Master. Oh, Master. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's really nice. Yeah. Um, did you play both of those rounds as just yourself, or did you use someone, like a, one of the pros? I was, I was myself. I was just playing the my career. Because that's, that's another change, too, is – it seems like a lot of the like the gear and the clubs and stuff you're going to unlock, it doesn't seem like you're going to be able to just buy it and equip it. 
a lot of it seems like it's going to be uh, from the career mode. So like with your rivalries and your sponsorships in the career mode, uh, you'll unlock a lot of the gear and the clubs and the balls and stuff that way rather than just, you know, buying it. Hmm. Yeah, there's there's so much that's new in terms of all that stuff that like I don't think we have time to get into it this time, but um but yeah, go, answering your question from earlier. So yes, you can play with the pros and I think you can like in probably just like online matches. But I, one thing I saw that's kind of weird is like the the little thing in the corner that says the score. Like it just says like your PlayStation name rather than like like if I was playing with Tiger, I don't think it would say Tiger Woods. I think it would just say, like, your PlayStation name is, you know, even par or whatever. But I, yeah. I guess that's all right to play as the pros. But have you um, thought about which like player archetype you're going to use? Like, which one are you on right now? Are you doing powerhouse? Um, no, I'm. I think the the consensus has been that the the Woodsman. I think it's called. It's kind is of like the, the recovery artist. Is that the one that shapes? No, it's be, sculptor is the one that shapes shots, right? Yeah, it's like a the woodsman's like. I mean, it's good for recovery shots. Uh, the consensus kind of is that that's going to be the best all around because you're going to get you get a little bit of a boost to swing path and things like that. Uh, your putting takes a hit, and you still get some pretty decent distance with it. So that's kind of been the the favorite from a lot of people that I've seen. Have you seen much drew about the, the different like archetypes that you can pick from? Um, I haven't, but I have a feeling I, I know what type of player I will um, gravitate towards. And it's probably that bomber powerhouse type yeah. player. Um, just cause, and I, <clears throat> I don't know how much the, you know, bomb and gouge and the analytics apply to like, um, you know, a video game, but I will say at least, and at least when I was, you know, on, on 2k 21 and like the TGC tours, when you can't see your shot meter, um, I found myself a lot of times in, in tournaments, like laying back so I could hit a full swing. Um, I don't know if that's Jags, but you had the experience, but I would hate having the, the awkward flip wedge. Like that's 60 something yards. I'd prefer to be back at, you know, hundred yards yeah, with a, with a full swing. Shots. Yeah. Which is, yeah, which is basically the opposite of real life. Because, <laughs> like, because there's so many, like, stats and things that say, you know, just hit it as far as you can off the tee. And if you're in the rough, it probably won't hurt you. But actually, like, in that game, the rough actually does hurt you. Like, you'll probably be better oh, yeah. off from, like, you know, maybe even, like, 200 with a good fairway lie than, like, 120 with an awful rough lie. Yeah. Or if you're in between. So it's just, like, I don't know. Fairways, Speaking I on think, that... I would love to see a video game incorporate actual like rough, uh, in like unpredictability, you know, like where does totally get a flyer? Yeah. You could get a flyer like you, or you could, you know, like it has on the game, you could, you know, chunk 130 yards with your eight iron or whatever. Like it's, I, I like realistically, it's not, you watch a tour event and players aren't like trying to chop it out of the rough, like, 50% 50% of the average distance with that club every time there's, there's yeah. flyers, there's different lies. Sometimes I hit it totally normal. There's gotta be a way to incorporate, you know, some of that more realistically than they have it now. Like, yeah, even, I mean, I, we could go out to the course now and we could see, Hey, this is a flyer lie and we could club down to, you know, make up for it. 
Yeah, that's I get that they're trying to make the rough a penalty, but yeah, that's one of those things that's like it's not like if you're 150 in the rough, you have to just take a six iron and hope it gets there. But that's right, you know, that's what it is in the game sometimes. But it's I don't know, some of those situations are hard yeah. to reproduce. But I think to Jay to to Jang's point, like if they are gonna have make it like tough to have it perfect, um, like a perfect shot out of the rough then could give you something close to hundred percent, but like the range could be like, I don't know. Like if you're in crazy rough, you could have like, all right, you get your range of 78% to like 112%. And sometimes, yeah, you know, depending, depending on what you do, if you do like something slightly fast, boom, you 112% and you're soaring past the green, you know? Um, I don't know. I mean, merely an idea, but I'm hoping if the EA game has that, I would, that would be a point for them, I guess. Yeah, interesting. Anything else on that, Jenks? I not th- not that I can really think of. You know, it's I'm just excited for the for the game. Excited to kind of get used to it. You know, it's it's a little bit of a learning curve, new game, uh, especially one that it's 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 a fair bit different from 2K21, I would say, and I'd say it's you know it's better. I think we've made some improvements. It's it, it's not as arcadey. It has a little bit more realistic feel to it. Um, so yeah, I think I think it'll be a good good two year cycle with this game. James, and, what is the 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 like um, like what's TGC Tours? What is it up and running yet? Are the events or how soon is? Do you know what their like you know um, procedure is going to be? They, they usually try to take about a month or so to kind of feel out the game and see, you know, like what the settings are going to have to be, sure. you know, is master going to be too difficult or things like that. Uh, and then they'll do a Q school here probably in about a month and get everybody set to tours. All right. So is the, the world rankings don't stay, do they, or do they? I mean, I haven't played an event in forever, but no, the world rankings will stay. Okay. The world rankings will stay, but everybody's tour cards, they'll get revoked, and then you have to go through Q school and get reset to a tour. So you and I, how we were, you know, elite and kinetic tour, you know, if we're if we're bad at this game, there's a chance that we'll be starting out on CCF or something like ah, that. Or I dominate that tour. Starting out on plat. It just Yeah. Yeah, you you dominated the whole challenge circuit. <laughs> yeah. And the uh overall consensus is that the short game is a lot harder. Have you seen anything about that, I've, Drew? Like, have you? So my my buddy that played today, um, he played like for a couple hours over his lunch, whatever, and he was like, "A couple like, hours for lunch? That's a long lunch." Hey, remote work, you know, you can do whatever you want, right? Um, but he, yeah, he's he's like he's like, dude, I got so frustrated, I had to quit playing because I can I couldn't chip, and I was like, all right, ringing endorsement of the game. Yeah, mm-hmm. because like just for example, the the uh, the lob web chip the lob wedge chip shot in two K twenty one went like seven yards, but the shortest club chip shots like the lob wedge, I think it goes like twenty five yards in the new game or something. Oh. So yeah. a lot a lot it, more feel around like, the green. Mm. I, I like the short game, like the way that it is though, because like with that twenty five yard, if you use the full swing, it it's kind of like a normal pitch shot that you'd hit around the green where you land it short and it kind of releases up and runs out a little bit. So it's a lot more normal. It's not like you just hit it and then it's freaking zips right on the green. Yeah. So that's nice. Uh, the one thing with the short game, and I, I don't know if it's going to be something that they'll look to change. 
Uh, but the bunker play is so difficult from greenside bunkers. Like if you have to hit a partial bunker shot, I mean, if you're a slight fast or a little bit slow, it's an automatic chunk and you're leaving yourself in the bunker. It's, it's very difficult out of the bunkers. Right. Well, just don't hit it play. there then. Yeah. 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 Just, just hit it on the green. Well, good. Um, so then, you know, just when I thought the only golf video game to talk about today was going to be PGA Tour 2K23, as it is the launch date for the special editions, like I said, uh, EA decides to drop a bomb. And, uh, you know, I wonder if the timing of uh, releasing this teaser trailer was a coincidence. I, pr- I don't think so. But uh, they announced that, you know, they showed some trailer footage and yeah i honestly just thought they were going to stop developing the game at this point because it's been so long since they first announced it but uh what do you think of the timing is that a little bit petty or do you respect it or what i mean that they did what they had to do um because i think i think we can agree that there's not going to be two uh golf franchise video games that continue on right for how many years there wasn't even one and yeah. they tried to do Rory McIlroy and that didn't work. Um, so, and I think I, I would venture to say the one with Tiger Woods on the game uh, is probably the one that has the advantage. And so EA is doing what they can to promote what the advantage that they have, which would be partnerships with the majors. Uh, it can, you know, brand the masters, brand the U S open, brand the open. Um, and they still have a, a, what appears to be some sort of PGA tour career mode as well. So, that's they're going to leverage that in every possible ad or promo that they, that they run. Um, and I do think come springtime, which is appears appears to be when they release it right around master's time. I think that will hit initially really well. Um, but I think the steam will run out pretty quick when it's not master's time and you still have Tiger Woods operating, uh, the other game and on the cover. So, um, I think there will be an initial excitement, kind of a heat wave there for EA, but um, I, and unless the game blows me away and there's a bunch of other cool features that I don't anticipate, I would still give the Edge 2K, uh, in my opinion. Once you've been playing the game for a week and then you played all the courses? Right. <laughs> yeah, that too. What do you think, Jangs? Um, you know, the... The timing of the announcement, you know, a little coincidental. Uh, but no, a lot, Drew covered a lot of it. You know, it's, it's going to be very difficult to have two games survive this. And we're, we kind of have this PGA Tour versus Live rivalry in video games now. We got the 2K versus the, the EA Sports here. Um, I, EA Sports is in a tough position because, yeah, you have all four majors. It's a cool thing. But is it a, a supreme selling point? No. Like, yeah, you get to play Augusta, cool, and it's actually Augusta. But you can do the same thing in 2K. I mean, someone can go out and create Augusta and label it as something else, and you can still play Augusta in 2K. And like you, like you just said, Nick, you know, what are you going to do after you play all the courses? And, I mean, there, there's nothing else you can do. There's, no, there's probably not going to be a course designer. The career mode will probably get boring after a little while. You can only win the Masters and U.S. Open so many times. Um, whereas 2K, I mean, they kind of stole a little bit of the thunder here with the being able to play as the pros. So 
you know, that's one selling point that EA might have had that it no longer has. And I feel like the pros, you might be lacking some names. You know, they'll get Rory probably. Uh, it looked like from the trailer that Scotty Scheffler was in there. Is that who it was? No, the oh, trailer. Spieth. Yeah, Spieth was the only player they showed in the trailer. So it makes Spieth. you wonder if, if Spieth is going to be the cover athlete, which figure they kind of they'd want to go with Rory, but maybe since the game didn't work out so well last time, maybe. they tried someone else. I'm not maybe sure. Rory's not even in the game. I I imagine he is. I, I'd be shocked but, if he wasn't. But you know, I, just just looking at names that are in 2K, I mean, they got Tiger and Rory, uh, Ricky. Yeah, uh, Tony Finau, Vander Shoffley, Morikawa, uh, Will Zalatoris. Are, those are just some of the big names. They got Bubba and Harold Varner, but they'll probably be taken out here soon. See, I heard for, about that. What? For some reasons. Do they actually have them as playable options? They are playable characters in the game as of right now. So why were they not, and were they just not marketed like in the lead up to it because they're with Liv now? No, or, no, they didn't. They didn't market everybody because, like, I didn't even know Bubba was in the game. Uh, well, right, I and, and I had I don't think I, I knew seen, Xander was in the game until today. Either. But Xander was marketed, and in one of the trailers, I saw Harold Varner, but then he was, but then he was never mentioned when they listed the pros. That actually is shocking to me that Bubba and HB uh, three are in the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's even shocking to me that they would have gotten yeah, Bubba I, in the I, first I, place. Like, he hasn't been relevant in quite a long time. I mean, they got Ricky, but he's still kind of a popular guy, even though he hasn't played well. Hey, Bubba's got a TikTok following. Come on now. I, I guess I wouldn't know. And I, I think a lot of, a lot of the names they grabbed, I think, might have something to do with, uh, like the sponsorships in the game, because like Harold Vardner is kind of the guy. If you beat him, you unlock a lot of the Jordan stuff. Uh, you beat Bubba, you unlock a lot of the Ping stuff. Um, well, yeah, so and Ping like is new them because for sponsorships. Ping is, Ping new, is new because yeah, because Tony Finau was in the other game, but they didn't have any. Um, yeah, there was no Ping in the game, but it's not like you could play as the players anyway. But yeah, did yeah, you mention Finau? Finau is another big you know, game. New, yep, yep, uh, and they've got a. I mean, going back to PGA Two K. You know, they've got a lot of the big sponsors. They got brought Titleist back. They've got Nike in there now. Uh, Adidas is back, TaylorMade, Mizuno. I haven't seen anything on FootJoy, so I don't know if FootJoy is making a return or not. FootJoy is in the game. But, uh, you know, a lot of the, the major brands are back. Is it? And I imagine just because so they're a lot of the in major that game. Are back and, 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 in there, so. and just because they're in that game, I don't think that necessarily means they're not going to be in the other game. Just like, for example, like there's certain no, events no. like like real title sponsor events that are going to be in both game both games but yeah i don't know i mean like you said that biggest selling point is just like actual licensed majors uh the masters especially cuz i mean them i think them being a year late in releasing the game cuz it was originally supposed to be spring 2022 cuz they announced or yeah they announced it spring I, yeah, 2021 it so in that long, my word. Yeah, it was the week of the 2021 Masters. So before Hideki won the Masters, that was when they announced it. And so it was originally supposed to be this past spring, and then they delayed it a year. I mean, I think I don't know. I think what I'm, happened. I think what happened was they they found out Tiger was going to be 
involved with 2K and they're like, we got to change up what we're doing here. And they probably read, you know, uh, run back to the drawing board a little bit on their launch would be, would be kind of what I, what I guess happened. I don't like, and my initial, my initial feeling is that they kind of missed their opportunity. Like, I think, I think 2K21 got a little old for some people. I mean, maybe not like the hardcore ones that were in the TGC tours and course designer and things like that, but just like maybe a more average player. Like the game got stale, I think, at a certain point. So I think if they would Mm -hmm. have been able to release it this past year. But I mean, coming off, like I think a lot of people have been excited about 2K23, but it'll just have to see like if they're kind of satisfied with the new version of 2k or if they think, you know, there's not enough improvements over the old one or, you know, what sort of excitement EA will generate. Cause there's kind of a positive and negative, like what you said, like a game coming out in October is kind of odd, but also if it was coming out in the spring, like a lot of people and like, you know, that kind of experience all the seasons, like if the weather's just getting nice that you can go out and golf yourself, is that when you're going to be excited to like play a golf video game? So there's that side of it that's like, if it's coming out when the weather's getting bad, then people are maybe going to spend more time playing it, but who knows? Either way, I don't think I have much time to play, but I still bought it, so. Right. I will buy it too. Um, all right. I know we talked on it. Any other players that you either hope to see or think might be in the EA version? You mentioned Scotty Scheffler. I, I forgot about him. Maybe, maybe Scotty Scheffler. I don't know. Tom who else. Kim. Tom See, Kim. Yeah, they got a Tom Kim on the cover. No, that was Spieth. Um, so obviously Spieth, probably Rory, maybe Scotty Scheffler. I can't even think of other players right now. My brain is fried. I can't think of players who aren't in 2K. Can't lay back in. 2K. Well, he w- he was in 2K21, and he's right. not in. He's not in the new one. So I don't know if that means makes anything. you think. Yeah, it's not in the new one. There's some other guys that were in the like uh, I don't know, Billy Horschel was in the other Kisner one too. and not in the new one. Kisner, Cameron Champ, even though he yeah, hasn't Kis- played good Kisner. in a long time. Hey, it's uh, I yeah, don't he know. He won the three M. Yeah, major. a couple years ago. Yeah, well, a year and a half ago, almost the sixth major. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just go down the world golf ranking, but I don't feel like doing that right now. Oh, maybe Cameron Young. That'd be that'd be nice. Ooh, that'd be a good one. That'd be a really good one. Cameron Young. Uh, they should just market the all-live crowd. They should just get all-live golfers in there. It's still a PGA Tour licensed game, so I highly doubt it. But, uh, all right. Um, so now we're going to talk about some stuff. One of the reasons we brought Drew on the podcast today, the resident golf equipment expert. I don't know if he will uh, accept that title or not, but yeah, your words, not mine. So how did you get into the golf uh, equipment, golf retail industry? And where are you, where are you at currently? Uh, well, I work for second swing golf uh, for those viewers who do not know, uh, or listeners who do not know um, Minneapolis based retailer um, has five stores in the United States currently. Um, with another, a sixth on the way in Dallas area. Let's go. That's huge. Um, but then, uh, you know, also a massive online store as well, secondswing.com. So um, just uh, put together a new website, um, kind of redesigned, rebranded the whole deal. Um, but I work in 
the content marketing side. So a lot of the social media stuff, um, YouTube videos, um, things like that. So uh, a very uh, integral part of my job is is knowing the ins and outs of the latest golf equipment releases and products. So um, that's uh, you know I've I've got a little bit of info that I can't share um, on twenty twenty three stuff, but um, twenty twenty two stuff, especially especially you know like the latest irons from Mizuno, um, latest putters from Ping, things like that are, are uh, kind of the hottest stuff right now. So, Very nice. Um, so in your time, like, you know, you were, uh, I don't know, maybe I would say more than just a casual when it came to like, you know, golf and the golf equipment world and things like that. But like what's been, I don't know, there's probably more than one thing, but that just like has really stood out to you that either you've learned since getting into this industry or that shocked you or like, I don't know if there is anything. I would say that getting fit um, actually helps. And I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, getting fit is better than like, is better for the novice than getting lessons and actually working on your swing. But um, you know, if you're like a, a, fly angle tweak or playing the right length or getting right fit for the right shaft flex, those things matter a ton. And it's stuff that I didn't think, you know, really twice about, um, some of those finer details until I started, um, started that second swing and, you know, understood what the fitting process is and how it can help golfers. So I guess, and I get this question asked a lot. It's like, well, would you prefer someone buy new clubs, um, or, you know, get fit and maybe make a fitting adjustment to current clubs. And I would, I would go for the fitting adjustment to current clubs before anything um, because it's going to be cheaper for one, but also between, you know, most of the time over a five to seven, eight year span drivers don't improve enough for, to, at least in my mind where it's like a, you know, 500, $600, you know, worth that upgrade. Um, so I think, you know, the technology, yeah, they're getting better at, you know, the, the MOI and the moment of inertia, you know, that's the marketing terms you hear from all these manufacturers. But I think, you know, the fitting stuff is where I've just really been blown away. Like I got fit for irons cup years ago when my tendency was to leave the face wide open. So I got my upright, my, my lie angle was a couple degrees upright to kind of compensate for that. Over the last couple of years, my swing has evolved where now I'm actually closing the face a little bit with my swing. And so I got it bent back to standard and, and it's the world of difference. Uh, And I've improved my iron game immensely with that. So um, just little things like that, that I, that I think the casual golfer just doesn't even consider, but like it's just a simple little fix. doesn't cost a lot to go in and get your angle uh, fixed on your irons and it could really improve your game. That kind of just led right into my next question, which was like, so that you may have already answered it, but when like getting fit for your own clubs, because at that point you had, I think irons that you weren't fit for and maybe some other stuff. So I just kind of like, what was, I guess that it was what surprised you the most when getting fit for your own clubs. And was it just what you, what you just mentioned when it came to your irons? Right. Yeah. I mean, I was, you know, and I, I was in the simulator and it's, it's on YouTube actually, if you want to watch it, it was right before it happened. I got fit right before COVID, ha- uh, you know, hit really early 2020. Um, but I got, uh, you know, I got fit and I was hitting these old Mizuno irons and I was actually, A, they were too short for me. Uh, B, the line angle on them was already flat and I had, my tendency was to open 
the face. So that's already, you know, making my miss worse. And then C, you know, the, the size of my hands, uh, you know, for me requires a mid-size grip, not the standard. And so all kinds of things are wrong with that setup for me. And then I, in that exact fitting, I got a setup, you know, I was, it was I-210 irons at the time for me. Um, with a combo of I-500s and the I-210s, I got a mid-size grip. I got an upright line angle. I got uh, a little bit longer of a length that fit me better. And it was immediately hitting the ball much straighter. And um, so it's, that was what shocked me right away. And that kind of pulled me in even more than I already was to kind of learn more about this stuff and and really try to, I guess, educate people that ask me stuff. Because I think, you know, a lot of my friends, both from my hometown and through college and whatever, our golfers and they'll come up with to me with questions on stuff and it's it's cool to give them that feedback and then after that when they go get fit or they go um you know order clubs with some of these recommendations they see the improvement very nice um yeah i like you know not that distance is the only thing we're looking for when especially when it comes to things like irons but um like wasn't uh like didn't you you know weren't you hitting it with a seven iron like 15 yards shorter than you should have been or something. I, I do remember watching that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like barely over 160 something yards is what my seven iron was. And it was because my face was open. Right. And so when you open the face, you know, you hit with more spin and, and um, it, it takes away distance. And so all it basically squaring up the face gave me, you know, I think an extra 10 to 12 yards of carry, but also just straightened out, my ball flight, which is the number one priority of that. Do you have anything, Jaden? Yeah, Drew, we talked a lot about, you know, what you do, but, uh, you know, my question is, you know, how did you, how did you get to where you are today? Like what is, what has been the path for, for Drew Mahold? to wow. get to the point that he is at today working for second swing, uh, you know, doing all that you do with your, with your content, uh, through second swing, which if you, if you have not checked out second swings, YouTube, uh, definitely give it a view. Uh, there's some great content on there, uh, a wide variety of things that drew and the other guys there do, but yeah, they, you know, how, how'd you get to where you are uh, now? Yeah, it's, I mean, I honestly, I, I actually interviewed for a different position, um, in, in 2018, I was, it was a more of a, I guess, a digital advertising type of position, um, where it would be placing, you know, advertisements online, which was kind of, I mean, it wasn't outside of my realm of interest, but it was, that was the position. And then I think through the interview process, they realized that my skill set was a little bit different, but they could still use it. And so, um, between that, my original position was writing was a, as a writer. So it was going to be writing web copy, doing, a newsletter and some blogging and stuff. But, um, we quickly, you know, I quickly realized that they had a YouTube kind of plan. It wasn't really anything much, you know, they filmed once or twice a month and they would put some of that, um, on the channel. Wasn't anything too significant, but I just kind of was poking around asking questions about it. And I did at the time have some experience being on camera or mic'd up with some of the stuff I was doing in college, whether it be for St. John's or whether it be for um, just side stuff with the, you know, covering the Vikings. And so through that, I kind of had a leg up in terms of getting used to being on camera. And, and from there, it was just working with the team there to kind of push forward the video efforts because, 
you know, we, we, I knew, you know, video was, was growing in popularity and that's how people consume content, right? Like there's a reason newspapers are basically gone now and people go online, they watch stuff on Twitter that TikTok has blown up. I think believe TikTok is now the number one search engine in the world. Um, and so there's a reason for that stuff. And so I think, uh, uh, you know, slowly and slowly, but methodically and, and eventually now it's happening is the second swing is like getting, you know, investing into that stuff and realizing that video content is a very key uh, vehicle to use to reach people and, and to promote services and, and what the second swing brand is. So that's kind of how that all evolved. And I mean, my role has definitely evolved. I think, like, like I said, I was writing for 80% of it at the beginning and now I hardly do any of that because it's all video stuff. Yeah. And which is super cool. And, you know, it's been, so I've been following second swing. Like I was a fan of second swing, even, even before you were with them. Cause up right. when I was up at college, I would just go and look around like, and just how it has kind of grown from just like kind of a used club store, like, Oh, there, Oh, mm-hmm. you know, it's, and uh, you know, not really any online presence at all that I was aware of that really existed to now, you know, they're really like in the business of content creation in a certain aspect whether it's you know just highlighting some of the new club releases or um they came up you know you guys come up with a lot of other ideas for um other types of content you know like for Mm -hmm. example one that i think of is like there's a video that you did with thomas campbell about you know when if you if you're wearing layers when it's cold out like how does that affect your swing you know like just interesting stuff like that that's like you know just kind of creative and especially you know being up um with a lot of um I guess, connections up in that Minnesota, you know, upper Midwest area. Um, you know, that's, that's just a, a video you might not see other places. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's, it's always idea generation is one that will, it's a, you know, it's a skill, I guess, or a part of the thing, the role that it never ends, but also just with all the product releases that there are every year, there's always the idea of not just reviewing a product, but then, we'll post a video on, on a product and then every single time there's 10, 20, 30 comments asking for a comparison of this product to this product. And so that just gives us the list of things we can do. And so uh, that I think people have, people have enjoyed getting to know like Thomas Campbell too, where the guy hits the ball better than almost everybody for sure in the state of Minnesota. And so gives us really good info for for testing and really good reliable data and i think people have enjoyed that so there's a you know and then with that too we've been able to invest in you know a couple of really good video editors that will film the stuff and put it together and make it look nice and make me look good so uh it's all it's it's all really fun and and you know there are some times where it, it you know a lot of, a lot of time has to be invested the schedule kind of gets moved around but um that's the that's the way of of content right content never sleeps um you know, it's got to be engaging with the followers and the viewers, even if it's, you know, Saturday morning at 2 a.m. or whatever. And then out of it, you might get to uh, play a PGA Tour course and a PGA Tour setup just for fun. Yeah, that was wild. Um, that was the thickest rough I probably will ever play. Um, yeah, so. And it's weird because TPC is looked at as one of the easier setups on pga tour i feel like for the most part but man that course just destroyed me yeah so for uh those who aren't aware so you know like i said they're up in minnesota tpc twin cities is where they have the 3m open in july and so uh was it two days after the event you guys went two days after 
Yeah. So Drew and Thomas, like you mentioned, who's a pro and just a, just an absolute stick, just a ball striker. Um, they went out and played the course with PGA tour rough and PGA tour fairways and greens. And yeah, that was interesting. And, um, yeah, which like it kind of is looked at as like a birdie fest course, but in 2021, like when Cameron Champ won, for example, like that, it, that, it actually played pretty tough, especially the weekend. It got a little breezy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that's a that's a track, even though yeah. it's kind of viewed as one of the one of the birdie fests out on court or out on tour. Yeah, I mean, Tom Lehman has definitely made some changes to lengthen it and make it tougher as the PGA Tour you know, makes a stop every year now, 18 is way skinnier on the, even like, I mean, I was, I mean, looking at the layup, like the layup is a tough shot on 18 and you don't really know where to hit it to. So there's, there's that element, but then there's also a couple of tee boxes out there that are very clearly like you can tell we're not part of the original setup of the course. Like, you know, for example, a hole to that back tee box that goes, that starts across the road. Yeah. That yeah. one is, that one you can tell is like, that was not meant to be there originally, you know, and there's, I think it's hole 11 or 12. There's a par four that they kind of cut out some trees to build another tee box back. That's like 30, 40 yeah. yards behind the, I guess what would have been the tips. So there's, um, but it, it was, I mean, it's fun to, experience what the tour pros are playing but also then it, it humbles you in a way that's like these guys are so so good to go out there when it was a windy few days right this year and to have somebody go out there and put up almost 20 under in those conditions on that course playing from 7600 yards or whatever it is i mean yeah. it's it's like you think you can do some of the stuff sometimes when they might hit a bad shot or they might do this or that and you're like oh i could have done that or I could, I could put up a, you know, even par score on that nine. You, you probably couldn't. Um, and if you could, it would probably be the best round of, of your life, uh, under those circumstances. Yeah. I played the course quite a bit before the changes. So back when they just had the champions tour event out there. And I mean, the changes are significant because they would usually play it from, I think the farthest back tees and, you know, only a 54 hole event are those, are those events and they were, you know, routinely getting to 20 under every year. And, and then I would go out and play. And I thought I was a decent golfer, you know, playing in college and, you know, I would regularly shoot 40 to 42 on the front. Like that was like, that was very common. Mm. Um, and so it's like, and, and, you, and the senior tour guys are out here shooting like five under on that nine with, with barely breathing. So, and like you mentioned with 18, even before they made the, the tee shot way skinnier and longer, like that layup has always been like, it's like, okay. Weird. Yeah. It's, it's like, awkward. Okay, I'm not in position to go for the green, but I have no idea where I'm supposed to hit my second shot too. Yeah. I was really so, hoping when I played that I would hit my tee shot on the fairway so I could have a chance to go for that green. Um, but I just pulled it left and had to lay up and I luckily laid up safely, but that's uh, it was wild. So that was, that was really cool though to get, cause I played too with, you know, the head pro, um, at TBC twin cities and it, fun, you know, interestingly enough, he hits the ball lefty and puts righty. So that was kind of a fun one to, um, to, to watch. And then he was kind of giving us some tips and advice. And then we had another, uh, member of the course out there with us as well. So, I mean, that was really cool and something that, um, nice little kind of perk, if you will, of, you know, the, the work we've done to grow the, grow the channel and grow the brand. And, and as a whole second swings brand has been, 
like you had mentioned, kind of soaring a little bit with having started not, you know, probably five to 10 years ago was nothing more than a used club shop. And now it's, you know, the best fitting, uh, you know, best fitters in America, right? You have all these stores are hitting different markets in the country. It's not just twin cities anymore. So, um, and I've been, you know, fortunate enough to kind of see that growth happen right in front of me. Sick. Um, what is like the single coolest piece of technology? Like, cause you know, a lot of stuff, you know, you're aware it's just, you know, sort of marketing jargon, right? Like, mm-hmm is is carbon wood like you know the future of golf is is it am i gonna hit it so much farther than a titanium face like yeah i don't know i just who knows um now later if we get sponsored by taylor made i might have a different opinion on that <laughs> um but like what is like you know a, a piece of technology and a new club release that you were like okay that's actually like really cool and makes a difference if anything yeah that's a good one there's a few that come to mind and i think one of them is mizuno's grain flow forging process they forge every all their irons over in um in japan and they're uh I don't know, over there in their shop or wherever that technically they call it but i and, and hitting all the irons that i've hit i i do feel like mizuno's just feel different um and i think their slogan is like nothing feels like a mizuno and there it is i don't I mean I'm I'm serious when I say I do think especially their forged ones like their players their blades you know things like that those they just there's an extra soft uh, extra softy like buttery feel to them compared to um, compared to any other brand so um, that would be the one that comes out to me otherwise nothing else is really like significantly like oh my word um, that's so much better but I will add that I think in talking with fitters at second swing, there's just an extra um, like ping for whatever reason in the woods just does so much better um, than other brands. And you don't think of ping maybe right away uh, in terms of woods, you probably think to TaylorMade or Callaway or Titleist, but ping for whatever reason in the bays is just the most stable and reliable um, for the fitters, uh, at least when the fitters that I've talked to. Interesting. Um, we have just had a, a, a certain Darth Vader join us in the in the meeting here, otherwise known as Joe Nonsense or Joe Nonsense or Noah J. How are we doing? Uh, you are, I think, it, an hour and fifteen minutes late. So what's, right on. What's time. up, guys? What's up, guys? <laughs> how you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. We're just uh, talking second swing, second swing golf golf equipment so just talking about how um you should not be hitting a blade three iron is this is this drew mahold the drew mahold in chat at your service oh my gosh i saw you on a i was watching youtube like two days ago and you had like a, a half a second clip on a second swing ad i saw so yeah that's me sometimes I sometimes see. on ads that's yeah. what i do uh but you might you might see that there was no audio so ah, shucks. just video so well, if you're just watching, like just go to the second swing YouTube channel, you're going to see him for way more than, uh, you know, a second. I had, I had enough of him. I had, oh. I had all I wanted to see. All right. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm glad you were able to make it on because I, we're going to get back. I, there's a little bit more in the equipment conversation, but, um, 
So who who won on Live this weekend? Um, I watched the first two days and did not watch the third day. Wow, it must be captivating stuff then. He was not one of the twenty five thousand. <laughs> so wait, so you're Liv's biggest fan, but you can't tell me who won. Well, I am their biggest fan, but you know, golf is is more than just winning and losing. I mean, yeah, for live guys. I mean, it's just, you know, show up and have fun, right? Pat it's Perez, baby. I heard they had a great time, and that's all that matters. I – come on. You just, you just disappointed me. You know, I, I had a feeling you might not know, and it's like you, you got to show up to this podcast with your A game, you know? Here, here's a funny thing, though, is I saw Tom Kim one on some other tour. <laughs> couldn't tell you what couldn't tell you what sure but I see that one. that just shows the power of the pga tour you just can't like you can't deny it i do love tom kim though tom yeah, kim, if he's, you're listening please come he's a legend i love you yeah he's a legend we'll get him on the pod next week maybe <laughs> um after he comes oh, back from a, japan if we could just get that for a after he comes back from japan with his third pga tour victory under his belt but um, also, uh, just getting you caught up, Noah, uh, the stat of the week, um, uh, might be a new segment, but for, for the overall purse of the live event and the average viewership they had in the final round, uh, it, it looks like they paid about $2,000 per YouTube viewer. So we just wanted to see what you thought of that. The league paid $2,000 per viewer. Well, if you if you uh, averaged out the total purse of the event that they paid out to the golfers for per the average uh, viewership of the final round, which was between twenty and twenty five thousand, I think, yeah, which is not great, not great for the live guys. It's horrible. That's, that's, I just wanted to see if you. I just wanted to. See, I just wanted to see if you had any comment on that. That's how. That's how you run an operation. That's supply and demand, and it's fine. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what your real problem is with that. But. So you didn't you didn't study economics in college, did you? That's good to me. I would love to see the the P and L sheet of that uh, that event from. All uh, I hear all I hear is there's a lot of cash flow going on, and I hear cash flow is a good thing. So, not you're I mean speaking, all the cash flow language. Out. You're speaking the language of of live fans right there. Yeah. Cash flow, I'm in. Mm-hmm. I think Buy the cat. I, I think I think cash flow though is kind of like the idea that you've got money coming in. I don't well, think they have. It's coming in and coming. Yeah, it's just flowing. Out. It's just flowing. Yeah. Exactly. It's just like it's just flowing out. Okay. Like water, it flows like water. <clears throat> All right. So again, Noah here is here just in time. Um, so you know, I told I told both of you guys what we were going to be talking about. Uh, this, so did you did you come up with any questions for the golf equipment expert himself, uh, or were you just kind of along for the ride? Um, I'm here. I'm supporting Cass today. But if I have if I have anything that comes to mind, I'll okay. I mean, we've been we've been at this for almost an hour and a half now, so I don't I don't know how much uh, riding along there is left, but. Um, do you have anything else, Jengs, from the conversation that we had that was um, abruptly uh, halted with the entrance of Darth Vader? Yeah, I do. I wanted to jump in a little earlier, but I, I feel like I'm so delayed uh, trying to catch up. So it's just hard for me to jump in. I don't want to inter, uh, interject in any of your guys' conversations. But this might go a little bit to what you asked last uh, 
your last question, Nick, but Drew, you were talking about doing comparisons and, you know, you'd release a video and people would want to want to hear these comparisons. And you mentioned Mizuno a little bit, how Mizuno, you said, feels like butter. Uh, but really, other than that, with, with your work with clubs and, you know, doing the fitting process and uh, all the content, in other brands, have you noticed any major differences, uh, you know, between brands or is, is a lot of it personal preference? Because you hear a lot of people say, you know, myself included, I, I just hit, I hit Titleist clubs because that's what I've always hit and they, they look the best to me, they feel the best. But, you know, is, is there major performance differences between, you know, maybe a Titleist and a tailor-made iron or, you know, does a lot of it come down to personal preference? There is a lot of personal preference involved. Um, I think there's like, even for, for me, it's like driver head. If it's glossy black, like a shiny black, can't do it. I need it to be a matte, uh, black, you know, there's things like that, little weird things. But, um, I think, uh, like the, the golfer, like you guys, right. That's kind of what we call a top of the pyramid. Like you're near scratch, um, or better than scratch, you know, at that point, it, the, the difference is, is at more negligible, right. Um, than someone who's, you know, a, a 10 to 20 handicap trying to improve and trying to lower their handicap. I think for that player, it's a lot more worth testing out every option that they have, because I think the, the differences, especially from a club they might be using, that's eight to 10 years old versus what's what there is available now. I think there'd be a major difference and the performance that they'd see, but someone at your guys' level, you know, switching from a Titleist driver to a tailor-made driver, you might see incremental, you know, incremental increases in like ball speed. Um, but it wouldn't be something that jumps out the page and drops your score by three shots, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's just, you know, it's always something you kind of hear. And, you know, I talk to, some guys that I golf with and they, they only play certain clubs cause you know, the brand or yeah. uh, the feeling or they, they just like the way it looks. They like the, you know, it's something they've always played. So I, you know, just, just for that aspect, wasn't sure if there's mm-hmm. any, you know, major difference between brands that really jumped out uh, when it yeah. came to that fitting process or if, you know, it's just, yeah. I think, preference. I think if I go back, I mean, I'll, I'll reiterate the ping thing. Like, I mean, and this is, just that second swing. I don't know if this is the same at other, you know, fitting retailers out there, but for whatever reason, drivers and fairy woods, like ping seems to lead the, lead the way in second swing fittings. Um, just, they seem to be tighter dispersions, not necessarily the furthest in terms of pure distance or the fastest, but it seems like the, you know, when I ask the fitters, um, they say the dispersion circle or dispersion map always favors ping. It's a little bit straighter, a little bit smaller, um, in the, in the longer clubs. So, um, that's, I don't really have a, a reasoning behind that. I know they, they do a lot of work on, you know, adding MOI and stuff, but all the other ones say that too. So, um, I don't exactly know what the answer is, but they just, they just seem to perform better. I have a question. So what sorts of clubs, like, would you say are advancing the most and the least year after year, like technologically? Interesting question. Um, because drivers are, at, are limited, right? Like the CUR CT, you know, is limited out the center of the face. 
So that's been the same for six something years, I think. So like the max ball speed you can get off a driver has been limited. So the manufacturers have to focus on adding ball speed off the center. So when you miss the center of the face, you know, that's what the new Titleist TSR2 or the Ping G425, like that's what, they're not any faster than the previous model. They might just be a little bit more stable when you miss the center of the face. Um, so for that reason, I would probably say not drivers. Um, but irons is a weird one because I think irons are getting a lot better and more stable. And I think that would probably be the winner. However, all the manufacturers are making them stronger lofted, which is hurting a lot of golfers in a way because so many golfers, especially in the game improvement category, um, that need like a lot of forgiveness, a lot of stability, need a bigger club head. So many of them don't swing fast enough to get the ball into the air effectively enough. And then you couple that with a, an iron that, you know, is so strong lofted, a seven iron that's at 28 degrees and the player will be hitting it 40, 50 feet in the air and it's going to roll out 20 yards. And that's not what that player needs. So I think the technology itself is improving a lot, but I think they need to, the trend needs to reverse and go back and, and get weaker loss, I think, to where that we used to be, you know, five, 10 years ago when a seven iron was 32, 33 degrees um, for a game improvement iron. I think they need to go back to that because then you'll get that forgiveness and stability on the club head, but also you still supply the stopping power that players need. Um, and I think it's, you know, I think uh, the Mizuno JPX 923, they released a high launch model with their, hot metal family. So they have a model that's 28 and a half degrees with the seven iron. Then they also released one that's 31 degrees, which kind of is, I think a big win for them. And they're going to hit a lot of golfers with that one um, that might not have a ton of speed, but they need forgiveness and high launch to stop the ball in the greens. I think that's, um, that's going to be a big one for them. Interesting. Bryson scoffs at a 28 degree seven iron, by the way. Yeah, I know. I think his is like 24. And yeah, he has a, a 24, 25. His, and then, so he has driver, which is six degrees. And then he has a five wood. How it's called a five wood, I'm not sure, because it's 13 and a half degrees. But I just thought that was funny. Yeah, which, I mean, he says, it's, and it's probably true, like he hit, he swings so fast that it needs it lower lofted to control the spin. But there, you are, you are hurting yourself as a mid iron to wedge player by having just massive gaps between the lofts in your, you know, gap wedge and pitching wedge. And so I think it was like, I don't know, 40 to 47 or something is the, the lofts he has. I saw, I saw his sheet today on Twitter somewhere, but yeah, that I did means, too. That means if mean. you have, you know, that, that tweener shot between pitching wedge and gap wedge or gap wedge or sand wedge or whatever it is, it's like he has to manipulate that shot so much to feel it right that he's going to be in jail on those shots when in reality that, number for a lot of the best players he's playing against is their money zone where they go after a flag. They know exactly how to hit that shot, but that's because they're hitting a club with normal loft and normal length where he's hitting a, you know, seven iron length sand wedge, uh, at 50 degrees and he's just going to blast it over the green or, you know, come up way short. Cause he's just guessing. Yeah. And, uh, it says, I think it showed his distances on there too. It said his lob wedge, so his highest lofted wedge goes like 125. And yeah, like we, he faces an 85-yard shot. He's just guessing. There's, 
he probably has some mathematical scientific formula or whatever, but there's, there's so much more that can go wrong with his, his uh, formula on short game stuff than anyone else really in professional golf. Yeah. It's interesting. He, he does it his own way, but for sure. Um, any, uh, does that spark any questions? No, Jay. Well, this is, this is less of a question and more of a comment, but it contains a question. Um, company to me is kind of a whole bunch of BS. Like when did we go from telling people to just get better at golf to just giving them a new club? Uh, sell me, sell me on club fitting guru. Just, I, if it was me, I would just tell them to fix their switch. Well, that's, we would never, I would never tell somebody not to get lessons if they're trying to get better. Um, I think there's a, I think there's room for both. And quite frankly, if you're a novice and you're trying to get better, I think you go lessons first and you find like a box set, you know, um, something that can work for, you know, the, the novice player that has all the essential clubs, your driver, your fairy wood, a couple irons, a wedge and a putter, and you move on. And then once you start to get the hang of things, you have it, you develop a swing tendency that repeats a little bit. That's when it's worth, I think, a fitting. And then let's say you're coming across it outside to in over and over, and that's your swing tendency. Then go do a drill and fix it. Which you can do, but it's just like, it takes, it takes time to develop, a, develop that consistently. Um, and something as simple as a lie angle tweak can fix that and straighten out your iron shots yeah. while yeah. you okay. do have that out to in. And then as your right, swing changes it. over time and it straightens to a zero path, then you can go back in and tweak that line angle back. I'll, I'll put a caveat here. I do believe in club length. I do believe in lie angle. And I do believe in shaft stiffness. Those are the three things I believe in. Other than that, I think you should just get the clubs that you like looking at or you, that you like and just go figure out how to play. What about loft? If you're, I mean, it's just a number on the club. Like, I don't care. <laughs> Right. It's just like, I don't care if you call it a seven iron or, or I call it a nine iron. If it's, if it's 35 degrees, it's 35 degrees, you know? Well, here's the deal. If, if, if I'm playing a set of Callaway Maverick irons and I hit seven iron on a par three, uh, and then I say, Oh yeah, I'm hitting seven iron. You should hit seven iron. You would hit, you'd hit your seven iron probably 20 yards shorter than I would. Yeah. I would laugh at you though. First, first of all, and then I would, make a joke about how you're playing shovels and you should take them to the backyard and dig a, dig a trench in your sandbox. And then I'd grab my six iron or something and put it to about five feet. So yeah, fair enough. I don't, I and then you missed the five footer cause you're less than 50%. Oh, I'd probably three putt that for bogey, but that's neither here nor there. But see my driver loft. Is, what's your, what's your driver loft Noah? I'm at, I'm at eight and a half. Okay. Do you hit the ball low? You hit the ball high. You hit it. Perfect. I hit the ball really high. Okay. Yeah. So you have you thought are about you, going lower than that? Are you still hitting that Mizuno? Yeah. Doesn't that have a stiff shaft? Yeah, I have stiff shafts on my three wooden driver. What's your swing speed? I'm sure you swing fast enough for an extra stiff shaft. He's right? at least one ten. It's yeah. one one seventeen. Yeah, you. I'm not, stiff I don't know is, if I'm. I don't know if I'm laughing because I don't believe you, or just because the fact that you're saying you don't believe in I'm, club fittings, but you're right, like, I hit I a stiff shaft and I hit it way not, too high. Do not take. Do not take this. Do not take. Do not, don't take this the wrong way. But I, 
I'm just joining the club team down here in Georgia, right? And there's not a guy on the team who can hit it for me. It's not a big flex, whatever. That, I, I just am crushing I'm, my driver right now. I'm telling you, you could hit it further and straighter if you got an extra stiff shaft right. in your driver. To be, I can to be vouch. Fair, to be fair, I, I don't like my driver. I would definitely think about getting a new driver. I just have had it for so long. The driver's yeah, like, and if it works, I mean, I, and we'd never tell people right? like to, to, if yeah. something works for you, keep doing it, you know? But, and but back to my point, back to my point, do, does it ever feel like just putting a Band-Aid on a bullet hole? Oh, yeah. Okay, Taylor Swift. That's and, what, and I, it, yeah, it, and, and in a sense, no, that's it, all this is, just, because I, nobody's game is going to be, like, most people that get which, fit, they're not scratch golfers. And, and to be, and to that point, like, that's what the majority, the vast majority of business in, businesses in America are built on. You know, it's just quick fixes. Honestly, in, in general, we're getting really philosophical in this podcast. Instant gratification, Noah. Yeah, yeah. no, exactly. No, you're selling it. You're selling a product. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not coming after I'm just, it's, it's just. So, know. yeah, it's just like, because you, you weren't here for the beginning of this conversation, which is funny. So, like, people who, who, listen to it all the way through like so one of the first things we talked about is like oh like what really opened you know your eyes when it when you were first getting into this and he's like you know how sometimes just like the smallest thing can make a biggest difference because you know he was getting fit for his own irons and he realized they were a couple degrees flat and the shafts weren't quite stiff enough and he was just flaring everything like um high right he was you know not hitting it as far as he should and one of the biggest tweaks they made on on his new set was just like you know bending them a little bit upright from where they were he was just talking about how that made such a big difference in terms of his ball flight and um you know distance and everything and then and then a little bit later you come on you're like you know what i just i just don't really believe in club fitting you know except for <laughs> except for uh lie angle and except for like angle and shaft and length and and, yeah just like basically the only things that drew talked about that made a huge difference in his uh iron game and i and i'm sure that's the majority of most fittings like i i I, i've been to a couple fittings but been to like have you ever i've got fit i got fit like four years ago and i've been to fittings for other people i will say i feel like the you know when the the some drivers have like interchangeable weights or sliding weights or something. Those do much less than the adjustable hosel or like adjusting angle will. Yeah. Drew, something you just said opened up a question for me. Um, you said the majority of people that come in and get fit are not scratch golfers. Yeah. And uh, so that opened the question to me when getting fit or going in and getting a fitting, which group, like which handicap range or group of golfers would you say ben- would benefit the most from a, uh, a true fitting at like a second swing or something like that. I would, I would, I guess I would say the, it's the avid player that like, isn't a novice. And what I mean by that is someone that's like, I don't want to call him a weekend warrior, but the player that plays a lot and is actively trying to lower their handicap and they have enough game to have a swing tendency. So something that they repeat and it, they have a constant miss or they have something very obvious that, they want to improve in their game. And to Noah's point, in a way, yeah, it is sort of putting like the Band-Aid over the bullet hole or whatever this analogy was there. Um, but you can simultaneously put a Band-Aid over it and the, the swing can heal itself through lessons, through training, whatever you want to do. And we can also stay with you on that 
of that journey. Let's say you're at 20 handicap, your swing is a big time slice swing, but over time you improve that, it gets a little bit of a more square path and you stop that slice reduces a little bit. We will adjust your club to kind of fit what you're doing. And so um, that's, it kind of go hand in hand there, but I think the biggest differences are noticed between, you know, I would say the 10 to 20 handicap that it's really trying to get better. We actually have seen the handicaps drop there. Whereas like the scratch player, you'll see those, those differences. And by nature, you know, becoming going from five to zero is much more difficult, right. Than going from 20 to 15. So um, I guess that's where I would, where I would lean is just those players that are trying to lower their handicap mid to high handicaps. Um, the note, the improvement is much more noticeable there. So uh, hypothetical scenario here. Let's say that you have somebody that comes in to get a fitting. Uh, they're a 1.2 handicap. Um, you know, they're a pretty solid player. They're, they're pretty good with their driver, uh, but their irons are just kind of a struggle. You know, they've kind of got this, this two-way miss going with the irons, you know, either just a dead pull. They're a little over the top, uh, either just a dead pull or sometimes they just hit kind of this, uh, this blooper fade out to yeah. the right. Um, what would what would be one of the or some of the things you would look at for that golfer, you know, in a fitting to try and try and make those irons more consistent for them? I'll, yeah, I'll so, take that one first. I'm just going to say one thing I would suggest is take two weeks off and then quit. Oh, shoot. But uh, this is this is this is I hypothetical. You could you could maybe find a golf coach too, but you go ahead, Drew. Well, yeah, actually, yeah, this is completely hypothetical. Also, yeah, this is hypothetical. There's He's no asking for a friend. No one yeah. in particular. Yeah, asking for a friend. Um, one question I would have for this hypothetical golfer would be: um, Is the distance a problem? Like, is the distance consistency a problem, or is it simply the location of the miss? No, the the distance would, is the distance is pretty. Nick, you go ahead first. I would say the distance consistency can be a problem, or is, or is that with the old set? That was of the this old hypothetical set. Like, golfer, like the old set where he was hitting seven iron, like two twenty. Or 170. Yeah, no, it's that's that's not really the issue. The distance is, you know, within I'd say probably 10 or 15 yards. All right. Know, if a miss hit, you know, when let's say well. seven iron, uh, a, a good seven iron for this golfer would be like 180. But you know, they might pull one a little bit, and it might go to like 185, 190. Or if okay. they catch one, like a groove low, might might go down to like 175, 170. Right. Okay. That's just kind of how it goes, though, with, you know. Yeah, yeah. So right. nothing Well, that's crazy. natural, but um, I guess the – because I, I have a feeling I, I know the iron set that this hypothetical player plays. Um, and so I was going to ask if, you know, that set has caused the problem that I could fear that it causes, which would be distance inconsistencies because irons built like that kind of have that tendency where – a flyer or a pulled shot is traveling much further than your stock shot. Um, but in your case, uh, someone that not my uh, I case, should say in your case, in case. this player's case, um, in this scenario that you just came up uh, with on a whim, uh, in this case, uh, it would be a lot of uh, seeing on TrackMan where you hit the ball on average on the club face because. I think you could, there's the possibility that your miss, like your right miss could be attributed to where you hit on the face. Um, if it's towards the heel a little bit, then you could shorten that club length a little bit. 
and you would get that more square and less likely, or even you could put on more on the toe. And the, I've been told the best place to miss on the face is a little high toe, uh, because in most clubs, irons and driver, that ball still travels and actually reduces spin and or side spin, and it will still fly straight. So that would be, I guess, the first thing that I would do. And to be completely clear here, I am not a certified fitter. I just know this from learning and working yeah. with fitters over time. But I, that's what I would think that they would try to go to first in this scenario, hypothetically. It's a good, it's a good hypothetical there. Yeah. This, this person allegedly may be on this podcast or may not be on this podcast. Yeah, I mean... That's for the viewer and the listener to figure out themselves. Yeah. It's all hypothetical. I mean, this, this hypothetical guy did just shoot 70 after a six-week hiatus. So, I mean, he's It's starting to sound not very hypothetical. Yeah. But Hypothetically. Uh, shot all right. Well, I think we've uh, <laughs> gone on pretty long, but 11-13 um, down it's in Georgia. Like, it's been like 20 minutes, guys. <laughs> Yeah, the it's great to have great to have Noah in the conversation. You're, you're gonna, what a, what, a, what a job! You're yeah. gonna shut down this pod after 20 minutes, buddy. Yeah, 20 minutes. Well, it's past my bedtime, so uh, yeah. if you guys keep talking, I'm probably gonna jump off. Well, Drew, what would you say to a guy who stripes their irons 24/7 and just came into a fitting? What would you say to that guy? I mean, if you're an elite iron player and don't need anything fixed. Then, no, just just dial in the money. numbers a little bit. Just say, what, what would you say to this guy that can't make a putt from inside of five feet or outside? We'll take you over to the Quintec Bay. We'll look at your at your top spin, feet. your side spin, your Dude, launch angle at the putter. That we can, I think we can leave it with that. A, a putter fitting, like a, filming a putter fitting of Noah would be like that would be classic. I would I think, love to see that. I think just There's a classic. No way. There is not there's not a scenario in which I end up buying a new putter after a putter fitting. I honestly, if I went from making if if I would not miss a five footer with a new putter, I still wouldn't buy it. I would try to grind my old putter. What if, what if what if we tweaked the lie angle or the length or something on your or the loft on your current putter? Like, Maybe the stiffness of the shaft. I could I could see myself being open to that. Yeah. Interesting. Do you have a Do you have a certain miss? Like a like? Do you miss right, left, short, long? Anyway, yes. Off the green. Last time I played golf, I missed a twenty five footer by like eight feet long, and it rolled off the green down to like thirty yards. I had to chip it back. I didn't get up and down. So there's there's a quick double bogey. I feel like the loft could be dialed in here a little bit. Yeah, I yeah. think that'd be some good bogey train uh, YouTube material is the bogey train boys get fit at second swing. I would love to see that. Noah like is just dialed in. Like his alignment is perfect. His launch is perfect. He's just like, can't miss with this new putter. Then the end of the video, he's like, no, I'm not buying it. Nah, I like my old one. He's like, yeah. He's like, I can't, I can't leave the Nard dog. I've got a sick oil, oil can finish on the Nard dog. I mean, come on. Yeah. Nice lime green drip. <laughs> His putter, his putter is sick. What you need is hey. a, a customized, tailor-made spider tour, white and gold. Hypothetically, oh, hypothetically, if, if you paid me five hundred dollars, I would not use the spider. Okay, see, I, I seem see, like I feel like now you're kind of stretching the truth a little no, bit. I, see, this is this is the thing. Like this is what this is why some people, some people may or may not take you seriously, like as as a golfer, because like. You, 
You know, you're, you're in, in not willing to do what it takes to shoot lower I guess, scores. You just five hundred dollars is maybe a bit of a stretch. I wouldn't do it for. I honestly wouldn't do it for hundred dollars. If if I bought you a brand new yeah. customized Spider X or Spider Tour, would you use that putter? No. Okay. How about this? How about this? You yeah, went in for a fitting. You went in for a fitting. You you improved your situation. You were dialed in. You're hitting yeah. putts online, and all you had to do was trade them the putter that you have right now. You didn't have There's to pay no any chance. You just had to, you just had to trade in the Betonardi and they're going to give you a nice, like new, whatever it was that just suit you perfectly. I would say, I would say probably not, but it really depends on what putter I would get fit into. Um, caveat here it is a fact that mallets have more forgiveness and, or overall better performing than blades. Oh, it's just a matter of don't use a blade. Like Tiger Woods. Yeah. It's just a matter of blades fit the eye way better of a lot of players, and That's in a lot thing. of instances too, the 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 hosel and neck type here's, here's um, what gets with me. blades match better. Here's what gets me is I know I've had good putter putting days, very few good putting days with my putter, and just like I hold on to those days so hard, <laughs> and I just know that it can happen again. So it's tough for me to just to get rid of it. I better bring out the uh, belly putter then. Yeah, that was my best putting <laughs> day ever. Know. I oh, think no. I would quit golf. Oh man. Yeah, that's true. Like, yeah, I've I've tried with mallets, and I I think I just can't do it. Like, I've I've become, especially since using a blade this year. Like, I uh, it's just like I don't know. I just it suits my eye so much better, and I start it online a lot easier for whatever reason. I don't know what it is, but my best putter ever was the Yes Pippy. Center shaft blade. Yes. The yes pippy. Center shaft blade. I made some, I rolled some butts. Didn't you average like 95 when you used that? Yeah. Well, that wasn't because of the putting. That was uh, because this hypothetical golfer couldn't hit anything else. If you talk to Larry Bobka, he will tell you the the cardinal sin of of putting is using a center shafted putter. Tell that to Sungjae and the rest of Asia. I can get on board with that. Because... Scientifically, the center of gravity is put in directly at the on the face with the shaft there, and the club face will twist like way easier if you miss the center at all. Versus, especially, especially with the Zach Johnson putter that I used briefly. Yeah, that thing's terrible. More butts. That thing terrible. has probably it's probably the single worst putter in the entire world for MOI. Unless you hit the center of the face, the exact center every time, that putter stinks. You know, somebody, Classic. I saw somebody with a putter back in the day and it was, uh, all it was, was a normal putter, but instead of a putter head, it was like a lead brick. Yeah. It was a cool. It could work. It could work. I wonder what this, wonder what that sounded like. It had like negative loft though. Are you supposed to hit the middle of the putter face? <laughs> no. Well, Will's Alatoris will purposely hit the toe. Purposely. Well, Allegedly. Purposely. I don't know how you can purposely hit any part of the putter face with that stroke. It's very carefully. He has a good stroke. That's what you're talking about. Uh, well, a little off into the weeds, but I think the, it might be a good place to cut it off. That's, that's, a, that's a good episode. That's what happens but when you jump on the bogey train. That's a good Yeah. Episode. Yeah, it was oh, good. Speaking of the bogey train, a little new intro music. Yeah, let us know, let us know what you think that. of the new, uh, the new jingle. That's uh, a jangle. Yeah. The new jangle, the new, 
jingle, jingle jangle. That's, the new jingles. That's going into effect this week. Um, and it depends if you like it or not, if we will give credit to whoever made it. But Well, if you, if you don't remember what it sounded like, uh, we'll hit the music in the next, you know, 60 seconds for the end of the show as well. Shout out to Brooks Kepka for a shout out. Yeah. Is that, is that who that was? I was trying to think of who it was. Commentary, uh, yes. The little comment that is Brooks Kepka that is included. one of our biggest fans. Lydia asked me who the quote was, and I said, I think it's Brooks, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Yes, sir. Well, uh, Drew, thanks for joining us. It was really good. Um, probably have you on again sometime in the future. And Noah, uh, thanks for showing up. Um, yeah, thanks for waiting for me, guys. I'm happy that you guys didn't do anything. Honestly, the microphone, much. the microphone is a little bit tough, but uh, the connection was crystal clear. So, good. all we need. All right. Um, I still can't remember if it's stay on the bogey train or uh, I think get it's off stay the bogey, on the bogey train. trains. There's that. Listen to the bogey train, but to stay off the bogey train, I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. What a close we'll to the show. Unbelievable. Like, like, well and done, subscri- like and subscribe. Go like and subscribe to the uh, Second Swing YouTube channel as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Free ads. We also do free ads. <laughs> but Well, they, they might right. be a potential sponsor in the future. That's true. That's that Got to play it good. <laughs> so, all right. Take care. Um, long one, but I don't know. It might be another week or so. So. Just uh, savor it while you've got it. Yeah, split it up. So, all right. Once again, signing off. Stay on the bogey uh, train. Listen to the bogey train, but don't get on the bogey train. Have a good one. Until next time. Peace. I just got stuck in a bogey train. (laughs) 